Yeah. How good did that sound, mate? How bloody good did that sound? That was great digging. Um, back on the Epidemic soundtracks. Welcome, everybody, to the Average... Oh, I've just lost sound. Wait a second. Oh, I've got some issues with my sound. Did you hear that? Welcome, everybody, to the Average Man podcast, episode number 161. We're bloody back. We're into it. Happy happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, if you're not a father, happy Father's Day to your father. Because we've all got one. We've all got one. Uh, happy Father's Day, mate. I'm uh, just chilling out today. We're having a very relaxed one at home. It's just after lunch now. I just had a feed and a beer. And I'm in the old van now, pumping out a quick Father's Day podcast, mate. I um, threw up a little a little slide of different sort of Father's Day quotes on the old social media this morning. Um, I hope some of those found their way to you and, and, and um, hit you in the right spots. Um, I know that quotes can be overdone at times, but there's also a time and a place for them. And sometimes some of those little – there's some little uh, nuggets of gold in those things. <clears throat> so, yeah, mate. All the dads out there, you're doing a bloody good job as long as you're trying. Obviously, there's some deadbeat dads out there, but I'm not talking to those fucking losers. I'm talking to you guys, the champs, who are out there giving it their best shot. You're, you're doing well, mate. It's a hard job, just like being a mother is, just like being a parent in general is. It's, the, it's one of the only jobs where you put your heart and soul into it and try your hardest, you know, damn near all the time and still feel like you're fucking it up. <laughs> um, so you, you're doing good, mate. Keep moving forward, fellas. It's a very, very important, uh, you know, for those kids that they have their dads around, man, to just to fill that role. As much as, as I said, as, as important it is that, that kids have mums and what they get off mum, um, it's super important to have dad around as well, mate. So, and I reckon, I reckon our generation talks about that a lot more than they did. You know, and a lot of missing fathers when we were younger, either they were just gone or they were just at work the whole time or they were emotionally unavailable. I reckon people my age and younger have a, a much better understanding of how important it is for, for dad to be around and to be playing his role, mate. So happy friggin' Father's Day to you. Yeah, chilling at home, not doing anything exciting. We went down the park this morning for a walk, took the kids and the dog down there cruised home um yeah and then as i said had a bit of lunch before and just doing the old podcast now probably wash the car after this just to get a little bit of work done for the day so i don't feel like a complete bum uh you know you got to keep moving mate i'm um i'm nearly 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 40 40 in three days so i'm I am 39 as fuck right now. You don't you don't get much more 39 than I am right now. This is about as 39 as a man can be, very close to it anyway. Um, and I turned 40 on Wednesday. Working, big, got a big week of work actually, so we're kind of going out for dinner just with me, the missus and the kids on, on Wednesday night. It's the reason we decided to do nothing today on Father's Day. We're going out already this week. And then we've gone out with some friends for dinner at the same venue, <laughs> the Heady, sort of one of only two decent venues in town, um, for dinner again with some friends on the Saturday night. So looking forward to that. Uh, yet to get a babysitter for the Saturday night, but I'll figure that out on the fly. Um, and yeah, man, just yeah, going to work, be sort of business as usual. It's going to be a much different affair, much more quieter affair than, than my 30th was. Um 
10 years ago. We went down to Perth for my 30th. Had a big family and friends piss up at the one of the breweries out in the Swan Valley there. I think we went to the Feral Brewery. Had a bunch of people out there. Um, that was good fun. Um, and then a, a smaller contingent of us continued back to the boat at Mindari. Oh, I think we went for curry first. Ate curry there. Um, I believe I mentioned it on the podcast the other week. One of her friends, Rosie, uh, she decided to tell the Indian guy serving us that we wanted hot curry, really hot vindaloo. We liked it really, really hot. Um, so he decided to stitch us up and send us a proper hot Indian vindaloo curry, which wreaked havoc um, with me, at least, after the fact. And... Well, then <clears throat> we got up the next day and I had some issues that, that had been uh, spurred on by the, the hot, hot curry. And and then I think we had one day after that in, in Perth and the next day we, we flew out. We flew out to Sydney, then to LA and over to the States for my 30th, me, my missus and my best mate, Eli. Um, we had a bloody ball too, mate. We did we, – so we flew into Vegas uh, – sorry, we flew into LA, then straight to Vegas – Got to Vegas at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Um, straight out on the piss. We were in Vegas for six nights, which in hindsight was too many. We probably needed three nights in Vegas, maybe four max. So we did six nights in Vegas, too many nights uh, entirely. We didn't know what we were doing. We'd never been there before. Uh, and then we hired a car from Vegas and drove up to Yosemite National Park. That was awesome. That was really rad, man. That was a beautiful, beautiful place. Had a bit of, did a few walks there in the national park and and saw a bit of scenery and got some great photos. And that was just and and just driving up the mountain and stuff. It was really beautiful. I'm so glad we went there. Um, and then from Yosemite, we went to San Francisco. This was before San Francisco was a complete dive shithole wreck of a city. Ten years ago, like there was, you know. Uh, a homeless scene there. There was like, you know, known homeless people and I think they already, I'm not sure if they already had the app for human, where the human shit was, but it was like a thing that known that people shat on the streets and stuff over there regularly. But it was a beautiful city still. Um, it was great. We had a lot of fun there. Did some touristy stuff, went to Alcatraz and drove over the Golden Gate Bridge and did the, the World Crookedest Street and all that sort of stuff. Um, I only spent a couple of nights there, and then we drove down Route 1, down the coast from San Francisco to LA, which is through all these beautiful little coastal towns and these big cliff drop-offs, and some. Oh, it's just a, a really beautiful, awesome drive. Um, so down through Big Sur and a few other towns along that stretch, drove down there to LA, and then we spent a couple of nights in LA. And this was... Just before my podcasting, uh, you know, before I was introduced to podcasts, I started listening to Rogan's podcast in 2015. So just before that, man, was, was we were over in the States a couple of years before and, and I didn't know, I didn't know what, like what to do, where to go. If I went there now, I wouldn't go back to LA, but if I did, if I was in LA, I would have, at the time, I would have gone to the comedy club where Joe Rogan and all his mates hang out and did all their comedy sets. They were there like every night of the week. I could have gone and seen, 
you know, Joe Rogan, Brian Callan, um, Ari Shafir, you know, Joey Diaz, you know, all these, all these, all these legends, Bert Kreisch, I could have gone and seen, you know, Bill Burr used to pop in there all the time, all these legends of comedy, Louis C.K. would go through, they could have just popped in and seen and had a good chance at seeing some absolute um, comedy legends just off the bat, but I didn't know about it, you know, we were probably, we were on the street where that, where that comedy club was, um, I think it was called, um, was it just called the Comedy Club? Comedy Central? Nah, I think it was called the Comedy Club. Um, anyway, we were there, man. I should have gone and, and could have had a good chance to see some of those legends. But anyway, I didn't know about it, so we didn't go. Uh, we spent our time down Venice Beach and shit while we were in, when we were in LA, which is also actually a bit of a shithole, really. But it was interesting to go there um, because we hadn't been before. Um, but next time we do the States, which is going to be a while, you know, the kids aren't really the right age for it right now. It's a different stage of our life. But next time we go do the US, it'll be East Coast, starting up the top. We'll go up, hit New York. Uh, and then we'll we'll work our way. I reckon we'll just hire a Winnebago and work our way down the east coast, and then get down to the bottom part. Definitely want to spend a lot of time, some time in, in the southern um, states and some of those cities down there, and you know go to New Orleans and uh, um, check out Louisiana and Mississippi and some places down there in the south. Want to have a cruise through there, but I definitely want to spend some time in in Texas. Uh, specifically Austin, Texas. Seems like a city that's got a lot of shit going on. And definitely we would hit the comedy club there. We'd hit the, the comedy mothership, which is Rogan's um, comedy, um, which is his, is his comedy club in, in Austin. I think there's barbecue in Texas. There's a great music scene in Austin, Texas. It's meant to be a, quite a beautiful city. And, and, you know, I think there's only at the moment 2 million people. So not a huge city about the size of Perth. That would be a, a, a mint spot to hit and definitely check out that east coast and, 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 and sort of south and deep south of, of America. That would be on the cards for next time we go over there. Definitely, definitely Texas. I'm keen to check out what they got happening over in Texas, mate. Um, but again, that's uh, it's no plans for that in the near future. Mm. Though it is my birthday... In a few days, I have some presents coming, obviously. I've also ordered myself a few little little gifts lately just because, why not? You're only 40 once. I'm not going to go off on any crazy holidays spending money and doing doing anything like that. So got a few little gifts coming for myself. Got some new boots the other day. I've been looking for some cool, like, kind of hiking, camping, off, you know, off-road type boots. Um, my work boots are, are too big and bulky and uncomfortable. You can never wait to get those off your feet at the end of the day. They're super heavy, steel caps, really good for work. You know, they protect the hell out of your feet. But I've been looking for some different boots, and I found some um, Under Armour boots of all brands. Um, I got those in the mail last week, super lightweight. They're they're uh, a, a soft leather boot with like a sort of like a, um, a, a sneaker-style soul to them and it's funny because you just your foot has that spring to it when you walk like it's not a not a not a cumbersome thudding type boot when it's on your foot like a work boot is super comfortable slip on and off really easily you know they're a leather boot they can get wet and dry out again and 
and not not have too much drama with that. So I'm kind of looking forward to giving those a run out camping and then taking them out bush. And when we went to Karajini, I, I could have worn them down the gorges, walking up and down the steep rocks and through some shallow bits of water and walking around in the dust and the dirt. Perfect for that kind of outdoor rugged living. Um, so I've got myself a decent pair of Under Armour boots for that. And actually got some Under Armour sneakers in the mail as well. I need some runners. My runners were old and a bit small, and, and yeah, was, because they were a bit small, they were never super comfortable. So splashed out, got myself another pair of Under Armour runners as well, so they should rock up the next week or so, and I'll get those bad boys out and, and give them a, a test test run as well. A few other things I've got coming, um, just some gym clothes and bits and pieces that I've ordered recently, and I know the missus has got a couple of good good little knickknacks coming for me as well so you know i am looking forward to having a few usable um gifts uh coming for for the old 40th this year uh what else tell you what the gym has been packed lately because the blue gym was was getting some uh renovation works done on it and uh, I believe that should be finished and wrapped up by now. So I'm really hoping that this week all the blue gym goers have uh, gone back to the blue gym because they've been flooding our fucking little gym the last couple of weeks and it's not been not been great, man. Um, yeah. So hopefully we get a bit of a quieter gym this week, a bit more, uh, a bit more availability on the machines, a bit more space in there in the morning. Just a big in- influx of people I've never seen before. Definitely looking for forward to that reopening. Um, what else? Speaking of openings, we were invited to the official opening of Ray's, which is the Headland Hotel new bar, um, on the Wednesday night just gone. And I accepted the invitation and sort of had every uh, uh, intention of going. And then when it got to Wednesday afternoon, I just honestly couldn't be bothered, mate. We... Had a babysitter lined up, but pulled the pin at the last minute. Just been so tired, man. Work's been hectic. I really didn't have any any social juice left in me. And I, I woke up Thursday morning. And I was glad I didn't go. I was just knackered already. Um, so we missed out on that, um, which is a bit, you know, it would have been nice to have gone. But at the same time, you can't do everything. And sometimes, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. And I just was not feeling it, so we didn't go along. But um, they are officially open now. Gonna pop back down there on Wednesday night, as I mentioned, for for dinner for for with the family, and then go back down on the weekend after that. So you know, I'll be all rayed out anyway by the end of this month. Can't complain too much. Um, yeah, that's about that's about it. I think you know, as I said, low down, fairly quiet celebrations this year. In a couple of weeks' time, we are going to go out to Running Waters. Going to head out midweek, make sure we get a good spot, spend a couple of nights there with the kids and a couple of the kids' friends and other family. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. That can kind of be my, my unofficial 40th celebration out, out camping and at, at running waters because I bloody love it out there, man. It's a good spot. I haven't been for a couple of years now, so I'm looking forward to get out in there and, and giving that one a little bit of a nudge with the canopy as well. We haven't done a full camping, a full family camping trip in the in the, the canopy with the swags and stuff yet. I've only been out with the boy swagging it. So that'll be a good test to see how the girls go. Um, yeah, I've done a few tweaks in the canopy lately as far as the cooking system and um, the battery system. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 
pretty keen to get out there and roll the swags out and see how we go living out of that for a couple of days, which is, you know, why we got it set up in the first place. So that should be good fun too. Tell you what though, mate, I, I've been struggling for, for motivation and momentum lately. I am getting things done, but it's a lot of it's a lot of effort to get into them. Nothing sort of I'm not jumping out of bed on the weekends just raring to go raring to go like I have been typically in the past for, for things I know I need to do. So I'm really just using my discipline to get things done at the moment and just, just working on building some momentum. I did the did the sink and, and a few other items in the canopy for the for the caravan and the canopy last week. Jobs a couple of jobs I've been putting off for a while. Um, cleaned the, my work my work out, fully detailed that, handed that back yesterday. I've been moved into a, a, a 200 series cruiser. I was sort of putting that off in my mind as well, oh, detailing the car, vacuuming it all out, getting my all my tools out of the toolboxes, getting the toolboxes off the back, finding somewhere to put all my new tools, and I was just kind of working it up to be this large task. It did end up taking me half a day, but. I got it done in in the end yesterday, so I'm in the new 200 series now. So, which I'm not too sure about yet, to be honest. I, I was very used to and comfortable with my Ute. I was used to walking out and seeing my Ute there with those toolboxes on, and just going, "Oh yeah, that's me." I walk out now and see the cruiser. I'm like, "Oh, that's someone else's car. That doesn't it doesn't compute compute doesn't comprehend sort of thing." But that's that's what it is. It's what the boss wants, mate. Free up the Ute for for some young blood coming through as a supervisor. Stick me in a bloody wagon, so. That's where we're at now. Not that it doesn't drive nice and have more room and all that sort of stuff, but I'm a bloody chippy mate. I'm used to, you know, having a work you toolboxes and stuff on it. It's kind of odd for me not to have that. So, not used to it yet. We'll see how we go. Uh, what else, mate? As far as TV goes, finally the new season of Wheel of Time came out on Friday night. They dropped three episodes in one hit. I've been waiting for it for two years since the first season came out. And I've got to say, I'm violently disappointed. It It's kind of like I knew they were going to fuck it up. I knew it was going to bother me. I've been looking forward to it anyway. Gave them the benefit of the doubt. Started watching it and they fucked it up even worse than I thought they were going to. It, and other people who are fans of the book feel the same way as myself. It's so infuriating for these people to have got the right to and got their hands on this masterpiece of a story. People credit J.R. Tolkien with creating the, the mythical world that the Lord of the Rings takes place in. And people say, well, that's true. But Robert Jordan, he, he, he conquered that world. You know, he came up with so many great concepts and backstories and having different little stories pinned all around the place and being able to tie it all back into one big, you know, overarching theme. He was just a bloody, an absolute legend of a writer and these kids, essentially, who have got hold of the rights to this epic fantasy tale to make it into a, a screen adaption, they fancy themselves as better writers than Robert Jordan. They know better what should happen they understand this the plot and, and the character development and what people want to see and hear better than robert jordan does that's what they tell themselves so they've gone and started fucking with all the the the, the main core details of this bloody show like 
who's good and who's bad, who dies and when they die, and some of the major things that are massive plot points that pop up time and time again, they've just gone and steamrolled them all. Um, super frustrating, man, that you would think you're a better writer than Robert Jordan. There's a reason why no one knows your fucking name and that you're making Robert Jordan's fucking books into a film because he was the master novelist. He was the master storyteller. He was the one that knew what was going on. You guys are just here to turn it into a screen adaptation, not not just take so many liberties with it that it's not even recognisable to the same show. At this point, all they are doing is using the concept of the Wheel of Time and the same character names and just doing whatever the fuck they want with it. None of it makes sense. So frustrating. It's like even if what you do is good, it's not going to be as good as the original. Why fuck with the original? If it's not broke, you don't fix it. Why fuck with a masterpiece? Because you think you're smarter and you need to put your stamp on it, that is the only reason that people would do that for. So I'm bitterly angry and disappointed in the wheel of time and also hugely intrigued i'm going to watch every single episode and probably watch them twice so you know maybe they don't give a fuck if i like it or not they just want me to watch it and they're certainly getting that out of me so and why are they getting that out of me because it's an epic tale written by the greatest fantasy novelist ever fucking whoever lived so yeah that's the same reason why you should leave it alone and just run the show but you know, the people who, who didn't like Game of Thrones still said that they were very true to the books in it, um, which is, you know, something that can't be said about the Wheel of Time production team. So, so yeah, very frustrating, very disappointing. <clears throat> um, I want to close out now by talking about something that's that's been in the news lately and it's coming up pretty soon, uh, the referendum for The Voice. It's something I've spoken on before and I just wanted to touch on it again. When the referendum comes up, I'm, aber- I'm, I'm, I'm an Aboriginal Australian, right? Anyone that listens to the podcast or knows me knows that. Um, when the referendum comes up, I'll be voting no and I'll tell you why. And it pisses me off, right? Like, people are allowed to have their own opinion. If you're voting yes, I respect your right to vote yes. Um, and if you're voting no, well, obviously I respect your right to vote no as well. When the people on the other side side should respect your right to vote no. But there's guys out there, there's people out there, guys and girls, people out there like, like for instance, one that rings a bell for me is, is Briggs, the rapper Briggs, right? This guy's just a bully. He's just a bully and he's out there shaming and guilting people who, who want to vote differently to him. If you vote no... He's saying, if you vote no, you're saying the conversation's over. He's all about poor me, poor me, poor me. Everything's been so hard for us and we've been so hard done by. We haven't had a fair go of it and the government does this and the government does that. If you vote no, you're a racist. And it's like, no, for fuck you, man. People aren't racist if they have a different opinion to you. They Maybe some people who vote no are going to be racist, but voting no doesn't make you racist. It means you have a different point of view. It's so childish and such bullying, shaming, scare tactics to try and tell people, tarnish them with a certain brush. If you vote no, you're a racist and a bigot and you hate the Aboriginal people. That's what he's saying. And it's like, fuck you. It's a, it's a fucking cheap tactic to try and guilt people into saying yes because they don't want to be tarnished with that brush you're wielding. It's fucking, it's pathetic, mate. And this is the same cat who talks about how Australia, Aboriginal Australians have had all these horrible things done to them and you can't trust people, you can't trust the government. You know, they've all, you always got to be watching out for what people are saying out of one side of the mouth and what they're saying out of the other side of their mouth. Yet when COVID came around, 
He ran another guilt, shame, fear-based campaign on his social media around protect Nan, get the jab. He became a complete government shill, guilting people into getting the vaccination, something he knew nothing about because he's fucking as dumb as I am. He's not a fucking doctor or a scientist, doesn't have the research. No one had the research because they hadn't done enough research on the vaccinations. Yeah, he's out there telling people you're a flog, you're this, you're that, you're dangerous for the community, you're going to get Nan infected with COVID-19 and kill her, protect Nan, get the jab. You're a government shill. You rack, you did their fucking bidding for them, telling people to get a fucking vaccination that killed people, that didn't have the efficacy that it was supposed to have because you, we didn't know the science, you didn't know the science, yet you're out there guilting people into getting a fucking vaccination, telling them they're going to kill Nan if they don't get it and publicly shaming and abusing people on your social media profile. The guy's a fucking flog. And here he is at it again, telling people you're a bad person if you have a different point of view to me. If you vote no... If you don't agree with the politics the way I see them, you're a bigot and a racist and you're saying no to the Australian people, to the Aboriginal people, and you're closing the conversation off. Well, no, Briggs. It's more of a nuanced fucking discussion than that, mate. One, people are entitled to vote whichever way they want. It doesn't make them a fucking bad person. And two, I don't believe it will be the type of representation you're expecting it to be. Why the fuck would it be? Why would it be a fair overall all-encompassing representation of the Aboriginal people when there's such a different varied group of people with different different tribes and different cultures from fucking group to group spotted all around the country? Who's going to get represented? How many different representatives are there going to be? Because there'd have to be thousands for everybody's voice to be heard. So it's going to be certain groups of Aboriginal people who are elected by who? Who's going to put these people in place? Who's going to approve these people getting in place? They're going to have influence and power and money, the people that get in uh, at some level. And that means they're going to be in bed with with the people they're making decisions uh, with for the good of the Aboriginal people, the, the good with inverted commas if you can't see me, well, you can't see me, of the Aboriginal people. And then because they've got that voice in Parliament... It's going to override other points of, points of view and other topics of, discuss, of discussion and anything else that other people, people see as an injustice or a situation that needs to be dealt with and spoken about in regards to Indigenous Australians. They're going to say, well, no, we've consulted the, 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 the voice committee and they don't see that as important. So that's, that's, we, it gives us a, a sweeping flag, a, a sweeping brush to just go, nah, not important. The people who, who are on the council for the voice haven't deemed that to be an important issue and they can just write things off. And you, Briggs, and myself, we don't have control over who's going to be on that fucking those panels. Who's going to make up the voice of Indigenous and Torres Strait Island Australia? It, it's it's. Why would politicians put this towards us if they think it's going to be something that that Aboriginal Australians? are actually going to have a fucking fair go and a fair say at. It's going to be something that works in their favour. They're going to get people in this position of power who are in the pocket of the industry, of the of, of politics, who are going to be the right people for the white uh, colonialist government of Australia to to get what they want out of the situations. You're letting you're letting a, 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 a weasel in the in the chook pen. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's dumb to think anything. To, to, well, yeah, I think it's it's to not take that into consideration is very short sighted. So here is the referendum question, right? The refer- referendum will be a proposed law 
to alter the constitution to recognise the first peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. Do you approve this proposed alteration? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? What kind of people are they going to be fighting for? What kind of rights are they going to be fighting for? What voice are they going to have? Who is this voice going to represent? Is it going to represent me? Is it going to re- represent the people out in Yandiara community, 120 k's out of Port Hedland? Is it going to represent other lesser-known communities in the in the Kimberleys and up in the Northern Territory? Is it going to represent people in the far north Queensland? Is it going to represent actual Aboriginal people out in the world living life uh, who are the ones who are actually struggling and need need help and fundage and and, and and education, or is it going to represent the people who are close to the politicians, the people who are close to the business world, the people who already have influence and money? Is it going to represent the people who already have representation and are just going to put a stamp on it and call it uh, the voice for Indigenous and Torres Strait Island people and close the book on it? Who are these people going to be making the decisions, and why do we not think these decisions aren't going to benefit the people that, that, that need to benefit from them. Why do we not think that the people who get into these positions of power aren't going to be handpicked and corrupted by money and influence to say the things that they're supposed to say to keep the, the system running smoothly? And by saying yes, I believe you're then given – you're giving um, – it's not been well enough to find who who they're going to re- be representing, and you're you are letting a weasel into the chook pen because you are saying these people now represent us, and if they say it's okay, if they say something's good enough, if they say something is is dealt with or is important or is not important, then that's going to be the be all and end all of it. And they may not have the the interest of certain Aboriginal peoples or certain groups of Aboriginal people at heart and you're going to be closing the book on those people that's what i that's what i believe mate um look i'm going to just on that note i'm going to go out and and read what i wrote, have read on this podcast before which was my my view on on the voice and um yeah i wrote this down when i was sitting around thinking about it for for a period of time and yeah, I think it's a good time to, to recap this and say this is this is what I would like to see for the Aboriginal people of Australia uh, rather than um, asking for permission from from the government to to have our say and to have a certain group of people who are selected hand selected and put into a position of power to have a say for us this is how I would like to see things go Oop, how I would like to see things go and it starts with with a question, okay? Here we go. The voice. I have some questions. Whose idea was it? How many Aboriginal people are behind the idea? What class of Aboriginal people are behind the idea? Yeah, there's different classes. Some wear their trauma from all the discrimination, and these are in inverted commas, they've endured like a badge. It's a sure-fired way to virtue signal. To have a free to receive a free pass. Others have faced real discrimination and have doors shut on them, and it's shaped their way of life and the way their life has gone. Others just want to look toward building a better future and aren't looking for a leg up. Where are our great indigenous pioneers, our trailblazers? And don't get me wrong, we do have them, and have had them. We have have had some incredible Aboriginal figures: Yothu Yindi, Mabo, Jacinta Price, Lydia Thorpe. Yeah, just kidding. She's a cunt. Jonathan Thurston, 
Now, I would have put the rapper Briggs on that prior list, on that list prior to COVID, but he proved to be a fucking idiot. He became a shill for the government's vaccination program. Never forget the Protect Nan campaign he ran, shaming people for not taking the vaccine. What a dork. Seriously, where are our Malcolm X's and our Martin Luther King's and our Muhammad Ali's or even our Michael Jordan's, our Dr. Dre's and Jay-Z's? Black Americans have forged a path for themselves in the USA and are recognised globally for their impact on sport, music, art, culture, and it's opened the door for them into academics and business. The ranks of amazing, successful, talented, hardworking, breakthrough black Americans is so large and diverse that we no longer are surprised by the fact, that fact. The fact that Neil deGrasse Tyson is black is barely even a footnote on the story of his life. It's a detail used to describe his physical appearance, if mentioned at all. This is because of the trailblazers that went before him. This is because James Brown played a live show in Boston the night after Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated to help keep the disenfranchised citizens there from rioting. This is because Michael Jordan said no to Adidas and opted to be the first African-American to sign an exclusive shoe deal with Nike, who, who were nobodies in the basketball market at the time because that was how he had dreamed it. It's because guys like Dr. Dre and Jay-Z worked their way up from the fucking gutter with undeniable talent paired with the unrelenting drive to become the titans of the music industry and to build fortunes in the neighborhood of $500 million to $1 billion respectively. These guys didn't ask for fucking handouts. These guys didn't expect to get first dibs because of their ethnicity or because it would make things more fair. They worked their fucking asses off and took what they wanted. They set examples for other young men and women who wanted to follow the footsteps they had laid, then gave a hand to as many of those hardworking, dedicated young men and women as they could. That is the way forward. To say that Indigenous Australians don't have the same opportunities as white Australians would, in a sense, be true. They don't have the same opportunities. They have different opportunities. And in many cases, they have more opportunity because they are Indigenous. Are some Indigenous groups at a large disadvantage because they live in dysfunctional communities surrounded by abuse and broken families? Yeah. Is this purely the fault of the Australian, Australian government or culture? No. Will these problems be solved by handouts? By more segregation by way of special opportunities for some? By having the one voice that could never truly speak for all the different cultural groups throughout the state, let alone the country. No. Things will not change and improve for Indigenous Australia until the young leaders in the community stop complaining, stop asking, stop expecting and start working. Until they use whatever skills that they possess to become undeniable. Until our artists like Boppy Loggia are in every fucking Woolworths in the country. Until our sports, sto- sports stars are dominating all aspects of physical competition. Until our musicians are letting the world hear their voice and demanding that they hear more. And then, when they've worked, sweat, bled and grinded their way to success, carving a path for the younger generations behind them, they turn around and give not a hand out, but a hand up to their successes. That's how we change this nation. That's how we resolve the blight of the Aboriginal people in this country. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a clean sweep. It's not an overnight fix. It's a, it's a damn sight better than the current bullshit fucking model, full of empty promises and virtue signalling. You will never save everybody, but you can turn the tide and change the way the country and the world views its First Nations people, my brothers and sisters. But it's through hard work, persistence. 
is through exploiting every opportunity, swallowing the injustices of the past and not letting them dictate your future. By telling the story of our people in all its horrific sadness and then giving others the solution and the inspiration by way of example. It will never come from something someone gives you. It will never be bargained for from the government. It will not be scraps gathered off someone else's table. It won't be received. It will only be taken. That's how I feel. The solution is not to outsource this back to a government, uh, a portion of the government, and calling them the voice and saying that like, they speak for Indigenous Australians. We don't know who the fuck they're going to be and what their intentions are going to be. Let's start the grassroots. Let's fucking work our asses off. Let's make ourselves undeniable. Let's force our way into the conversation, into the culture. Let's help the fucking people behind us. Let's build strong-minded, strong-willed, dedicated people who fucking work for the things that they want and stop fucking asking for handouts and stop complaining about the way things have been and stop complaining about what's fucking not fair because life ain't fucking fair for anybody. The more you bitch and moan and whinge about it, the less respect you're going to get from people. It's time to start fucking working. That's my opinion on it. It's time to start working. Start in your grassroots communities. Start in your family. If you have to fucking break free from people around you because they're toxic, do that and then find others who, who, who are open to an opportunity, who are open to change, who are open to, work, to hard work and help them. That's what we need to fucking do in this country. Break the cycle. Stop protecting, stop protecting the poison in our communities. Start looking after people who, who, who want a real opportunity and make sure they know they have to fucking work for it every step of the way. That's all I've got to say for today. Um, again, happy Father's Day to you all. Uh, if you don't like my opinion, that's fine. We can have a chat about it. That's what it should be about. I'd love to have an open discussion with somebody on this. Um, hit me up if anybody wants to have a discussion about it. Let me know your point of view. Someone wants to come on and argue for the voice. I would love to hear your your your, your thoughts and your point of view. I would love to hear. It. I'd love to let you come on the podcast and and air it out here with me. It doesn't have to be a debate. You can just let me know your point of view, the way you see it, and why you see it that way, and we can we can get it all out on the table. That'd be great. Um, in the meantime, happy bloody Father's Day to you all. You're doing a terrific job. Keep cracking away at it. I'm going to go have myself another beer, maybe a couple of, maybe a bit of chocolate, watch some TV with the kiddos this afternoon and enjoy the rest of my day. And I hope you guys have a, a brilliant afternoon. Share the podcast, subscribe, like the, follow the Instagram, all that sort of bullshit. Go fucking do it. And I'll see you all next week. Take it easy. Average Man Podcast, episode number 161. Crate digging. Peace.